0: Welcome to episode 59 of Loan License Entertainment. I'm your host, Carl Antner. Uh Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than usual. It's going to be me by myself. Turns out that this month is an incredibly busy time be, uh, for me to find time to record this podcast, uh, as well as hard to get guests. So pretty much what we're going to do is I'm going to record this episode by myself this week. Hopefully, I will find some time in this month to record another episode with my wife. Later on, but it's a very big possibility that even though I just got back from hiatus, I might be going on a small hiatus into uh, the beginning of March. Just because this is a crazy month. This is my uh, four-year anniversary with my wife. Uh, we want to go visit uh, some family, and you know, just with the way things work out with every other week recording, it's just not not feasible. But there's some things I wanted to talk about here, so I didn't want to put you off for entire. For a super long time because, well, I'm a big fan of the Oscars. Not the Oscars, like, watch them, per se. Because I do not understand the purpose of watching people pick up awards. That's boring to me. Uh, but I like the next day going, oh, who won? Oh, that's cool. And my favorite jo- favorite category, the only one that I really ever care about, is the Best Picture category. So because they were all announced uh, very recently, I thought I would give them my picks. Uh, my rankings for these movies before the they actually get their awards, I have seen every single one of the movies that have been nominated, which was a lot this year. There were ten movies nominated for best picture. I I feel like that's too much. I feel like some of these definitely do not do not deserve to be uh nominated for best picture. Even some of the ones I like, I'm a little bit like seriously, you're gonna you're gonna make this one. Uh, best Picture nominee, but whatever. That's fine. You do you, guys. So I thought I'd go through the rankings. Uh, instead of doing entertainment news first, I thought I'd go through and uh, let you guys know what I thought of the, the rank, my rankings for these movies. Sorry, I'm trying to multitask, and I'm getting caught up in that more than I am at the actual show. Sorry. So I'm going gonna, gonna to rank these movies from uh, worst to best. And uh, just tell me tell you what my thoughts are on these boobies. And then we'll go into entertainment news like we usually do. And then the podcast will be over. It'll be a short one. But hey, I'm getting an update out there. And that's what matters. Okay. Uh, by the way, the sound, sound quality sounds different. It's because I'm recording off my phone. Because it's a lot to set up my podcast right now. I still need to take it in my, in my computer. And I thought, fuck it. I've done episodes on my phone before. It's been fine. So we're doing it that way. Anyways. Here's uh, my rankings. Remember, it's 10 movies, which is insane. But my t- uh, the 10 Best Picture nominees. So at the very, very bottom, number 10 is the movie Tar. Now, I think this one is kind of not on a lot of people's radar. Uh, it's... I certainly had never heard of it before it got nominated. It, it stars Cate Blanchett as... She is a modern-day composer of classical music. And... She is problematic as hell. She makes basically makes it so, in order to rise up in her company to get like a good solo or something like that, she has to be attracted to you. Uh, and she she's so she's a problematic lesbian. In the fact that beautiful women do really well in her in her, in her, in her field, but like men get kind of fucked over. Uh, and she's not. She doesn't just do that. If you spurn her, she will go out and she will destroy you. It all sounds very good, but the problem is is it takes a long time to even get to the point where you know that she's problematic. The movie's close to three hours long. You spend the first hour just hearing this person pontificate on how she understands classical music. There is The first 20 minutes of the movie is her getting interviewed by a guy uh, on stage about her thoughts on classical music, and it is literally like the most boring... Show that I would never watch. You have to spend 20 minutes here and talk about you know in the biggest words possible what she thinks about this composer, what she thinks about this piece of work, her theories and what music and stuff like. It's so boring, and the whole movie kind of feels like it takes itself that seriously. Um, there are moments that are very good. There's a point where she is talking to a, uh, she's teaching a class over at some school. I can't remember. I think it's Juilliard, and she's talking to the guy a about a composer. The, the kid in her class is like... Uh, that kid. Like, it's college class. He was like 19 or so. It's was like, I don't like that composer because of his problematic views. He, you know, he treated women bad or slavery. Something like that. I can't remember. It's a boring movie and I can't remember every detail. But in the scene, she tries to convince him in a very arrogant way why cancel culture in this day and age has ruined your ability to enjoy music. While I actually do agree, like, you can't judge people especially from the past by modern standards. And I probably would, if I liked classical music, I'd still enjoy these guys. I do think, uh, she went about it as a kind of dickish way, uh, which, did uh, did help her out. And it was used later on in a very interesting way in the movie. That being said, it takes so long for anything to happen. And I, I like, in the end of the movie gets so weird I had to read some stuff up on it, and there's some theories that the end of the movie is more like a a hallucination than anything else, but I'm not sure. It's not very plainly stated. All in all, it's an incredibly boring movie, incredibly pretentious. I really wouldn't recommend it for anyone, even if, like like I said, there's good moments, but it's just not enough for me to sit there and recommend watching almost three hours of a movie when there's barely any meat on it, and it just seems so fucking full of itself. Another very long movie that is actually more than three hours is Avatar: the Way of Water. I do not understand this franchise, and not that I don't understand the, like the, the concept of it. It's very easy to understand what's going on. The problem is that these movies are not very deep. The villain is like just stereotypical "I'm a bad guy," which was the same it was just the bad guy last movie. And they, he got killed off in the last movie and then they found a way to bring him back to life in this one. So you have the same boring villain, two movies in a row with absolutely no character development. And you're somehow supposed to still care about this stuff. Yes. The avatar movie. If you haven't seen him, it's a movie about, you know, people go over to this alien planet to get this, to like steal their resources. And they use these things, these avatars to like put their minds inside these giant beings that look like the natives of the planet. And then one of the guys that does that ends up falling in love with the natives and starts, ends up, in the end, living full time in the form of one of the natives in the Avatar and then raising a family and shit like that. And fighting against the white or the American or whatever, the, the imperialist people trying to take the resources. It's fine. They are generic action movies that you've seen a billion times before. I get the point they're making, but they don't say it in any you know, special way. It's mostly just an action movie with that being the premise to drive it. There's no great acting. There's no The script is laughably bad. The, the resource they're looking for is called Unobtainium because it's hard to obtain. That's just a little bit too on the nose. Uh, some of the performances are downright awful, uh, but they have really good graphics. They have really good CGI. It looks very pretty. I don't see how something shallow... To me... You can make a movie look the most beautiful thing I had ever seen, which is cool for about five minutes. If I don't care about the characters or the plot, then that those special effects are useless to me. I need that. So I need character and plot to matter. Not just it's pretty and it has some good action sequences. Uh, so yeah, messages. You know, don't take other people's stuff. It's bad and save the whales. Bad movie. Uh Next on the list, my number eight out of ten of the best picture nominees is Elvis. I am a fan of Elvis's mu- music. I really am. I think uh, if you were looking for like a fun, fun sort of fun music to listen to, the Elvis is a great time. I, I really enjoy rockabilly, and that, the movie has a lot of great music in the mu- The music in that movie is a huge plus because it's a good time. The problem is. It is a very shallow movie. Just like Avatar, it is beautifully shot. Baz Lerman, that's his signature. Is he's able to shoot uh, the most mundane things and make it look beautiful and creative and over the top. and Almost like a fantasy in, in real world settings. The problem is, and even the acting, uh, the guy Austin Butler who plays Elvis did a fantastic job. Tom Hanks, who's one of the best actors of all time, uh, he was interesting. Um, the problem was is that it was all very surface level. I spent, all, again, almost three hours. These movies this, in this, this year are so fucking long. I spent almost three hours hanging out with Elvis, and I feel like I don't know him any better than when I started. It basically is uh, Elvis is put into a situation. He's told to do something he doesn't want to do it but he goes along with it anyway and then he uh goes and does his own thing after he went along with it and you know fights back and then they just repeat the cycle over and over and over again but i never you never really get much of his personal life there's a few small scenes uh it's just very very shallow beautiful looking movie that just did nothing for me i wouldn't have nominated it for best picture all these three that i've mentioned so far I would not have nominated for Best Picture. I I don't get how they got in there. Now, the rest of these movies, I love the rest of these movies on this list. So this was very hard. Uh, I put down Top Gun Maverick as my number seven choice. Not because it wasn't a great movie. As an action film, it was so much fun. The sequences were amazing. I hate Top Gun 1. I think Top Gun, the first movie, is a garbage film. And I had no intention of seeing Top Gun Maverick. But then everyone was talking about how good it was. So I gave it a try and I loved it. I'm a huge Tom Cruise fan as a performer. He knows how to put on a good show. But in the end, it is military propaganda put up as a fun action movie. And to me, it just didn't have as much to say as all the other ones did. It is a good time. Of all these, if you want to have a just good time, not think, and also not just be disappointed with something that's completely generic. I recommend this movie. It has good performances, great action sequences, great stakes. It just isn't as it just isn't as impactful as the rest of these movies. You will have a good time, but it it's not going to leave leave you with anything. Uh, it's going on the opposite end of the, of the of the of the of how this feels. I watched all Quiet on the Western Front. I just I literally just. The credits just rolled on it. It's on, uh, on Netflix, so it's Netflix got in the Best Picture nominee. So I literally just finished watching it. The credits were rolling while I was testing the audio on this thing. And uh, this is the very opposite of Top Gun. It is not military propaganda. It is anti-military propaganda. It is anti-war propaganda. And it is effective. Although, my biggest complaint with this movie is uh, that the characters, you don't really feel... I never felt like I really knew the characters. But the situations were so horrifying and angering uh that it didn't matter it was more of a statement about war and it made you feel uncomfortable and gross and sad and so mad at they like they show the people that are in charge of the wars eating these nice decadent meals and just talking about like you know i never got to go to war because I'm, I'm so sad because i was born at a time where we had 50 years of peace and now i'm too old to fight and these guys are making the decisions that are going to ruin the lives of other people. And I had read the book in high school, but I'll be 100% honest. I don't remember it. I didn't remember the ending. Uh, the ending of this movie is infuriating in the best way possible. Uh, it is dark. This is not a good time whatsoever. There's no times where you're, you're even the, the times where it feels light and happy, you feel the dread of something else is going to happen. Uh, It is a really good movie. It's like, if you've ever seen Saving Private Ryan, everyone talked about the first 10, 15 minutes, the D-Day sequence. Imagine if that movie, if All Quiet on the Western Front is like, if the the D-Day sequence in Saving Private Ryan was spread out into different versions of that throughout the movie. Shocking, disturbing, gory. And it just shows like that. The people that are are making the decisions are not affected by them. It shows the horrors that the people that are affected by the decisions go through. And the propaganda, what got them in there. Because the movie starts off and they are all excited to go to war. They all want to be heroes. Like a guy fakes his age, fakes his parents' signature to get to fight into war because his parents wouldn't have let him. He was so excited to go that he faked his parents' signature. And then his life is ruined. Um, It's a beautiful movie. Uh... It wasn't, you know, anything I hadn't seen before. Uh, it, it, it was a little Latin character development, but it was definitely something I recommend everyone should see. A great movie. Uh, next on my list is Triangle of Sadness. Uh, this one is is one of the few comedies on this There are a couple comedies. This is one of the few comedies on the list. It is a movie that goes along the, the new trend of movies like Glass Onion and, uh, oh, I'm blanking on it. Uh, The Menu, which, by the way, The Menu and Glass Onion, I would have been very happy if they were nominated, about the do trend of fuck the rich. Uh, this movie doesn't really have a much of a plot. It's basically split into three different parts. The part one, it literally says part. So the f- part one is about a model named Carl, which I can relate because I'm basically model good looks, uh, and his girlfriend, Olivia, and they're just problem with a fight they have about money they're they're influencer model people and women make more in as a model than uh than a man does so them fighting about money second half is uh second part is on a cruise ship with a bunch of decadent people on the way the uh, rich assholes that just treat the crew of that ship horribly this is also where it gets into some of the most gross sequences in there there's a food Food poisoning sequence that is over-the-top disgusting, even to me. And I usually find puke can fu- movies funny. I was a little bit like, I don't know I want to watch this part. Uh, Woody Harrelson plays a uh, a communist captain, and then he fights with uh American captain, communist, and he has an argument with a Russian capitalist who uh, makes his money uh, selling manure and is super rich on it. Uh, This sequence probably is the one that speaks most to uh, the way the the classes are separated and the way rich people don't even know how they're treating people like shit sometimes. And then the third part I'm going to not even mention because it was so surprising to me. I don't want to ruin that for anyone, but it is brilliant. It takes a nice turn. There is a character in there. Who really didn't have anything to do until part 3. Who steals the fucking show. I also want to say. It is very sad that this movie. Uh, one of the stars of this movie. The one I mentioned earlier. Olivia the, the female model. This is probably like her first big role. This is the one that's going to make her a star maker. And she died in December. Before this movie got really big. So that is incredibly sad footnote for that. But a uh, great movie. Everyone should see if they find it. It is unique Done in a, an incredible style, and I, I really haven't seen many movies like it. Uh, the next one I'm going to recommend. Uh, this is my number four for these movies. Is the Fablemans, the Steven Spielberg movie. Uh, this is very, practically autobiographical for him. Is you know, names are changed, but for the most part, is it is about Steven Spielberg's life. So it is about a young kid that wants to be a filmmaker. Starts off with him very young, and grows out through the years until he's an adult. Um, is it something I've never seen before? No But I love movies about people That are passionate about making movies uh, There's some very good stuff With uh, the woman who plays his mom uh, I'm blanking on her name I don't have to pull it up in front of me Because I'm just going through it but I want to say Michelle Williams uh, I think she's bipolar Or something like that Devastating performance of her ups and downs uh, Paul Dano as his dad uh, you know, earlier this year played the Riddler to such extremes and scariness, and then you see his performance in here as the dad who's just trying his best, who doesn't understand his son and what he's going for. Uh, and then Seth Rogen throws in an amazing performance as well. Judd Hirsch has like one scene in this movie where I was like, okay, he's only in one scene but this guy is going to get an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor, and I was right, because his scene is that well done. Uh... There is like a scene of forgiving a bully that I wasn't really 100% on, on board for. But other than that, it's a beautiful movie about a beautiful medium that I love. And I, I honestly think that this one, this one, this might win be, be the one that wins Best Picture. Uh, I'm rooting for another one, uh, obviously, because this one isn't my number one choice. But uh, I think this one has a big chance just because of Hollywood sure does love uh, movies about making movies okay and uh let's see what's next on the list uh next one is called women talking this is an incredibly important film uh i have not seen many movies i don't think i know if i've seen any movie like this it is about a subject that is very hard to talk about and i even feel guilty talking about it as a guy in this movie which very much relates to another character in this movie they have a. Uh, Ben was Shaw in this movie plays basically the only male character that gets any screen time in this film. Uh, It is about a Mennonite society, about 2005, 2009, somewhere in that time period, and based on a true thing that happened was that the men would drug the women, no matter how young or old they are, and have their way with them, and then they would tell the women that no, they were not they, they, they were not attacked or anything like that. It was probably demons or uh, they' sinners or something like that. They would gaslight them and make them think that they were the problem. So that something happened happening that was no one's fault besides the women's. and they find out later they found out when they caught one of the men in the act, what was actually happening because they've been knocked out every single time since then. And then this movie is about one of those, a couple of those guys get arrested. The men go out to go bail them out of jail. And the women have two days to decide uh, what they're going to forgive those men. If they don't forgive those men, they are going to be banished. So they have to decide: do they want to stay and forgive the men, do they want to stay and fight, or do they want to leave before they get back? The this movie could be a play. For the most part, is done inside a barn, and just a bunch of women talking uh, about all three different. Aspects of what they should do, with the religious background on them, internalized misogyny, uh, fear what of the unknown because they have never been outside of the community. Uh, it covers a lot, and the performances: Claire Foy is, is phenomenal, uh, Rooney Mara is is great. I don't want to, I know it's a movie about women, but Ben Rashad was so good. Uh, this movie I cried a lot during it. They don't show anything. If people are worried that it's too graphic, they don't show anything. The movie takes place after the attacks, uh, but it it is powerful, done through just dialogue and beautiful acting, and it's surprisingly also sometimes funny, which you would not think a movie about this subject would be funny. But uh, they did a they did a really good job with it. I when I was done with it, I I was like this movie. This movie needs to be shown to, to teenagers in school. And I was thinking that the first thing my wife said when we walked out of the theater because we went to see it together was this movie needs to be shown in schools. So we're on the same page on that. It is a really great movie. It is not a feel good movie. You will feel miserable watching this movie for the majority of it, with, the, with a few exceptions. Uh, but it, it needs to be seen. And uh, yeah, I would not mind if this one won. The, really these top three top four I wouldn't mind if any of these won but uh it, it's an important movie it always makes me feel bad for the next ones because I the next ones I'm going to recommend are a little bit more on the the lighter side but have a lot to say as well but it's much more of an enjoyable film experience for the next two so my number two pick and I think a lot of people this was probably the one that's most seen Well, well between top top gun and this one and avatar are probably the most seen this one uh I guess a lot of them have been seen. Three of the movies are pretty big. <coughs> Sorry. But the next one is a surprise for me, because I don't think I ever thought I'd see a movie where somebody was trying to get better fighting skills by sticking something up their ass. I never thought I'd see a movie with that concept in there uh, getting nominated for Best Picture, but it's everything, everywhere, all at once. It stars Michelle Yao, and it... it and, and Jamie Lee Curtis and several others who all did great performances this is probably the most creative movie on the list uh, it is a movie where Michelle Yao does not get, get along well with her daughter and then finds out that her daughter is a being that covers every single version of the multiverse and she is killing off her, the mother in every version of the universe as well and it is a huge, just multiverse, weird, funny, amazing action movie. But also, at its core, it is a mother-daughter movie. And the way that they take something so fanciful and crazy... By the way, it did it way better than Doctor Strange did a multiverse movie. and a much smaller budget. How they took something so crazy and weird and turned it into one of the best movies of the year that I don't know anybody that didn't love it. Uh is, is a fantastic, and it's emotional, and it's so good. It also, there's a raccoon chef, so check it out. Everything Everywhere All at Once is so good. That's my number two choice. And then my number one choice is Banshees of Inisharan, Stars Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, and it is probably the simplest concept here, but the most character-driven. Banshees of Inisharan is about Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson's characters were best friends for years. They live on this small island in like nineteen twenties, nineteen fourteen, something like that, Ireland. And they all they have is this little pub there. And there's a war going on just outside, just off across the water, off the island. And it's about these guys who were best friends. And then one day, Brendan Gleeson's character decides that he doesn't want to be friends with them anymore. He's too distracting, and he just wants to not. He doesn't want to be friends with them. Doesn't want to talk with them. Let's him know that wants him to say, never talk to me again. And Colin Farrell dealing with that starts off at a very small, simple concept and slowly gets bigger and bigger and more like it's funny, but it's a dark, it's comedy, but it's a dark comedy that a lot of people just thought was too depressing. I thought it was laugh out loud funny, but I know a lot of people could not take it because it is brutal as well as funny. And some parts are very sad. Some parts are hilarious. Uh, it's made by the same person who made it in Bruges, which is another movie I'd recommend. Although I will say some things in that movie have not aged well, because it is from 2008 and some things, you know, they push, people push the boundaries back then. and Some of those boundaries maybe wouldn't push now, but a uh, very great filmmaker, amazing performances. Uh, I walked away from that movie. Like this is the best movie I've seen all year and I had a hard time. Nothing really changed my mind on that. Uh, my wife would differ because she fell asleep in the middle of it and never finished it, even though it was now on HBO Max. But, uh, yeah, that's my number one pick. So I'm going to go through a quick recap. Hold on. it's just going to take a sip of water because I'm thirsty as hell. I'm talking for like a half an hour. Hold on. All right. So, again, top ten from worst to best. Tar, Avatar... Elvis, Top Gun Maverick, All Quiet on the Western Front, Triangle of Sadness, The Fablemans, Women Talking, Everything all, Everywhere All At Once. And Banshees Amina Sharon. Top four, I could, I could, I could live with any of them winning, really. They're all just great movies. Okay, now I'm just gonna go into some quick entertainment news and the show will be over. Okay. First one is kind of a worrying trend. Netflix has followed Warner Brothers' example and began dropping movies, bef- completed movies, before they came even came out. So like, you know, everyone made a big deal about Batgirl got canceled, even though that was almost finished on Warner Brothers. They, didn't, they now did that with two other movies. They are starting to cancel shows left and right, even though they're very popular. It seems like nothing is safe from cancellation, no matter how good it does. So I don't like this trend. It's definitely a commerce ahead of art and I don't know what that's going to mean for anything in the future, but it's kind of sad. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Justin Rowland, who is the co-creator and star of Rick and Morty, uh, has been fired from that show after allegations of domestic abuse came out. And a few more things, but definitely that's the biggest one. So he is no longer going to continue as Rick or Morty, He did both the voices and his co-creator, but the show will continue. They're going to make a season seven. Uh, I feel like it's possible that, that those voices have been made fun of time and time again. And Justin Rowland ha- is a um, co-creator. Dan Harmon was the other creator and he's still attached to it. So I think it will continue. I stopped watching several seasons ago. I felt like it just became more and more of the same thing and trying to push the envelope rather than doing interesting stuff like they first did. So I, I don't really care that much, but it was interesting to hear that happen. Uh, a lot of people on the on the right, the story came out. Uh, so 50, uh, I'll explain it more, a little bit better. Uh, Pink Floyd it just had the 50th anniversary of probably their most famous, or well, maybe their second most famous album, uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, it's 50-year anniversary, so they put out a new version of the album, slightly changed the album, more, and, and the people on the right are pissed off that Pink Floyd is now woke because they're mad at the rainbow on the cover of their 50th anniversary version of Dark Side of the Moon. There's always been a rainbow attached to Dark Side of the Moon. It, it, it's not, they're not doing anything woke in there. But I do feel like Pink Floyd probably is already a woke band anyway. So calm the fuck down. But people get mad about stuff like that. A rainbow on an album cover and they're like, no, how dare you? I used to like you and now you're ruined because you went woke with a rainbow. Calm the fuck down. You're dumb. You should feel bad. Alright, uh, next one. Fleabag creator Phoebe waller Bridger will write and produce a Tomb Raider TV series. They're going to give that a third try. So what they're going to do is they're going to make a TV series. They're going to make movies that connect to the TV series as well as the games as well. It sounds very overly complicated. I like Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She wrote uh, the TV show Fleabag, which was phenomenal. She... Uh, she She fixed up the script to No Time to Die. She got brought in there to make a punch-up on it, the last James Bond movie. That was fantastic. She made the first season of Killing Eve, which was the only good season of that show. Uh, She's very, very talented, so I'm intrigued to see where she goes with this. And I'll do one more story. I'll probably bring this up again in another episode with a guest, because I just want another opinion. So I'm not sure if you ever heard of the Razzies. The Razzies are these awards that... that, uh, Kind of like the anti-Oscars. They're the awards for the worst performances, worst movies, worst whatever of the year. And recently they got in trouble because they nominated a girl, Those, uh, how old was she? A 12 year old actress for a Razzie for her performance in the remake of Firestarter. And a lot of people were pissed off about that. How dare you? It's bullying. It's flat up bullying of a little kid to attack her acting when she's 12 fucking years old. She's not that old yet. And it made me think, look, it's that's horrible. They really shouldn't have done that. That's stupid. But I used to love the Razzies. I used to think it was a funny thing. Now I'm starting to wonder, is it ever alright to really just attack someone like that? You can have your own opinions and stuff, but all they're doing is they're trying to make art, and maybe they're not the most talented people in the world, and we're going to throw them on the bridge and make them feel bad for it. I respect the people in the past that have taken the Razzie Award and laughed it off, but... I think in this day and age, the, the Razzies need to go away. It's fun in the past, but I, I just don't think it'll work. All right. My throat's starting to get dry. I've been talking for half an hour. I feel like this is a good place to end it. Uh, thank you so much for listening to a little bit of a different episode than usual. I try not to have too many where I'm by myself, but I don't think that... I felt like I had a lot to talk about this episode, so I think it went okay. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Please, 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 please rate and review. I still only have two reviews on this show. It's been around since the beginning of 2020. Uh, so it's been a while now and I still only have two reviews on it. Cause I refuse to, to leave a review myself. So if you are on iTunes, just leave a quick two word review to say it's good. I love it. As long as it's a five star review, I very much appreciate it. If you don't have a five star review, I don't want to hear it. Uh, Please, I'm very small, so I I don't need anyone knocking me down until I get at least a few more. But other than that, thank you so much for listening, uh, and we will see you hopefully sometime this month. Uh, If not, I will definitely be back in March. (laughs) And remember, if you want your entertainment news two weeks late, listen to Unlicensed Entertainment. Bye! Bye!